Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Ich wart seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegenpress in the German football podcast from the Football Grad Network. Um, you might notice that I am not Bryce Dunn. Unfortunately, he can't be with us today. Um, so it's just myself, Chris Williams and um, Manu Veit. But we're joined by a very special guest. Um, you will know him if you listen to the Bundesliga International Word Feud. You will know him if you um, are a Fortuna Dusseldorf fan or even a Hoffenheim fan. It's Lutz Fannenstiel. Uh, Lutz, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad to be here. Good. We're very glad to have you because we know how exceptionally busy you are. Uh, Manu, how are you in Germany still? Yeah, I'm still in Munich. Uh, last day before I'm heading back to um, Lutz's former home, the Canadian West Coast, just for three weeks and then I'll be back here in Germany. Cool. Well, as we've got Lutz here, um, I think we should give him most of the mic for this podcast because yeah. he's very uh, knowledgeable um, about the whole league and football throughout the um, throughout the world, really. Some of the players he's uh, picked up scouting. Um, if you don't know Lutz, shame on you, but he's played for 26 clubs around the world and he's played in every FIFA confederation, which is um, a pretty big thing to be able to say. Uh, he built the scouting department at Hoffenheim, um, responsible for such wonderful players as Roberto Firmino and uh, Joe Linton, who English listeners will know. Um, and Lutz, I'm going to go straight into it because... Hoffenheim have done quite well. Um, I predicted they would be closer to relegation than the top this season. Not done myself uh, a good service there, but are you surprised how well they've done considering who they've lost, including Julian Nagelsmann? Yeah, I'm surprised uh, about that the series they, they played in recent weeks because, to be fair, you know, it was clear it will be a, a year of transition, a year of change, especially the loss of uh, Julian Nagelsmann, who was somehow the... I would call it the face of success. Uh, his football was really different. And uh, yeah, I think many things, the playing style, the selection of players, uh, the way they trained, uh, everything was, was, was based on, on his introduction of his own kind of football. And when he left, I think whoever would have been the coach, it would have been nearly impossible to step in his footsteps so uh, when that start was a little bit rocky, um, yeah, many people had that same opinion like you had, that it's more in the in the downhill and probably not relegation zone, but in the second half of the table. But the way they're doing now, especially when it comes to the results, I think they're slowly getting used to the different style. It's, it's a bit of a different football. It's also, you lost, I would call it, the most important players, plus you still have Belfodil out with injury, 
Kramaric have hardly played the game yet. So they're playing basically without all the top players from the last season. And yeah, I'm very impressed uh, looking at the points and looking at the position. But uh, I don't think that they are there yet when it comes to the way they chelled the team together. It will still take a little bit of time. Because they, they only won one game in their first six opening matches, which I think is why you know you correctly said that quite a lot of people thought oh, it could be a bit of a bad one for them. But then, of course, they beat Bayern Munich and they've been on a wonderful run since then. Is is there a combination in there that this is what you can do if you beat Bayern? You, it gives you a psychological edge because, I mean, the teams they've beaten after that include Schalke, who, who were on tremendous resurgence under David Wagner. Yeah, of course. You know, if you're uh, looking, uh, always uh, getting a result against Bayern, it doesn't matter if it's home or away, because always uh, somehow gives you wings. Uh, it's a little bit like drinking Red Bull. But um, yeah, I think they didn't necessarily play unbelievably well and didn't play the, the, the other teams out of the stadium. But they they, they got the results. Uh, I was at the stadium when they played against Chalke, and Chalke was in the first, I would say, 50, 60 minutes. Definitely the better side, but they, uh, Hoffenheim looked very lethal. They looked very concentrated. They, they, they really the chances they had and, and didn't concede anything. And you know, once it is, you win in the first run, you win the second one, and then suddenly you're on the run. And look at that last game now in Cologne. Uh, it, it was not a game. Uh, Hoffenheim looked extremely good, but uh, they were one 0 down, and, and it didn't look like they they will actually have a chance to win that game. It looked very long like a draw. And then get it in the 97th minute, the penalty. And uh, yeah, again, you walk away with three points. So um, it's a very special run. It's the best run they ever had. Even under Nardis one, uh, when everything was perfect, even under Rangnick in the early stages, when they, had a, had, they were basically leading the, 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 the pack for a long, long time, they didn't have that results. So I think they can be very proud, but you know, it's not. Uh, it's so tight up there in the top seven, eight positions that you never know where you will end up. Lutz, what do you make of Alfred Schröder? Um, he was an interesting choice to come in. You know, he's a typical Ajax coach. Um, you know, on the first glance, maybe some parallels to what Nagelsmann does, but then at the same time, Ajax is all possession football. And Nagelsmann is not necessarily about possession football. That's quite a big transition to make for a club. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Alfred, he, he worked as uh, Julian's assistant. So I also worked with Alfred Schroeder for two and a half years. He came in as an assistant of Hugh Stevens. Then he stayed on as an assistant. And I think uh, he had, especially when he was working as the second man, he always was very successful also at Ajax. And I think he, Alfred is not a typical Dutch coach where whatever happens, uh, even if you would play against a team of aliens, you always would play a 4-3-3. Um, he is more flexible when it comes to his tactical approach. But of course, uh, that last uh, time he was now in Ajax, uh, he, he took some of the things again with him. And it's I would say it's more like a mixture. But as you see, he mostly plays with four in the back. Uh, in the start of the season, now he moved back to the three of the three in the back, like Nordisman did, and suddenly they start winning the games. But um, yeah, I think it's a good mix between pressing football and and also possession football. Um, but definitely for the fans, uh, you know, the first few weeks were really really difficult and disturbing because they 
they saw a different kind of style. There was not any more that much aggression uh, in the way playing forward. It was more like, as you just mentioned, it keep the ball and trying to 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 solve everything and trying to come over the wing. So a very a very um, yeah, I would call it uh, a style which you know where to go. It's easier to defend than the style Nagelsmann played. And I think now it's more like a mixture of the Dutch school and also the way Hoffenheim played before. And Simsalabim, they're winning the games. Okay, that's fantastic. Thank you. Um, I mean, we should probably move on to where you are now. We talked a little bit about Hoffenheim where you were previously. But of course, you're at Fortuna Dusseldorf at the moment. Um, how are you finding that? How How is it going? And... What are the current tasks for this season? Because the Bundesliga is so competitive. I would say Fortuna are one of the top um, 25 teams in the in Germany, but we all know the league doesn't accommodate 25 teams. So what's your main tasks? Yeah, you know, it's a little bit of a different role, of course. Before I was more responsible simply for the recruitment. Now I'm like a, a sporting CEO or whatever you want to call it, executive sporting director. So there is lots of other things coming on the table which um, I haven't really had to think much. Um, yeah, I mean, what was my task? I mean, when uh, when I decided to leave Hoffenheim, which was very difficult after after being there for eight years, um, I thought, well, it must be something which uh, really interests me, which have a lot of potential. And Fortuna Düsseldorf is a club which has a an, an, an tremendous history. I mean, they even played the European Cup final against Barcelona, they won the German Cup uh, it was a team which was especially in the in the 80s uh, one of the top teams here but then things went went downhill and, and only in recent years it was like more or less up and down between the second and the first so when I was brought in it was more like actually getting getting the structure under control um, uh, trying to, to, to improve the the youth system the, the, the academy but uh, also obviously um, bringing a more international flair, bring in more players which they haven't been able to do before. And our 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 goal is is very clear. I mean, when I took over, we were last in the league last year. We stayed in, in after a sensational run and finished tenth, which uh, I don't agree with the first top twenty five. I think we're still in the top fifteen. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, staying in the league this season is as well the absolute. Uh, aim that's what we're playing for nothing else everything else is unimportant the year three will not change but after that my aim will be to establish Fortuna Düsseldorf as a team which which just simply belongs to the Bundesliga that you don't go every season as a as a relegation battler into into the season where you always fight just for points to survive we're trying to get a bit more stability and a bit more structuring obviously we're having Financially, uh, we we are very healthy, but we don't have even hardly the money what any other teams in the league have, except Paderborn and maybe Union Berlin. All the other teams are just richer; they can spend much more money. They can just buy. We can't buy. I I need to loan. I always see myself as a guy who has no money but wants to drive a BMW. So what does he have to do? <laughs> he needs to he needs to loan and needs to borrow. And needs to be crafty to be able to pay the installments, and that's the way we are we are working now. But as I said, we are also, you know, I'm born Bavarian, so I'm very conservative when it comes to financial issues, and this is something what what I stand for that we want to be 
very modest. We want to be down to earth. We don't overspend money we don't have. So we will work within these borders. And if it's a fight and if it's difficult, then we just have to put an extra effort in and use all the connection, all the network I built up with the last 30 years. That's where we are right now. And uh, looking at the table, um, yeah, we're standing on 13th position, which if you would give me a piece of paper to sign now and we finish on that in the end of the season, I would do it. Uh, but we, of course, it's, uh, it's, it's exactly as tight uh, in the bottom uh, six or eight uh, as it is in the top uh, seven or eight at the moment. So the Bundesliga is very exciting this season. And uh, we really hope uh, to to survive again and, and and keep on building up the club. Let's we spoke about this in the interview that I did with you for Forbes, um, but you know for our listeners as well. And I, I think this is such a fascinating part, um, the way that you're trying to build this club, right? Because you already mentioned the budget. I, I, I came I came with you at a figure from Transfermarkt when we spoke in the Forbes interview that you have the third. High, third lowest uh, transfer value team. Of course, budget-wise, I think um, you are on par with Union, right? That's something that you mentioned, uh, financially speaking. But Düsseldorf, of course, like Berlin as well, a sleeping giant, and similar to Frankfurt, who have been, was three years ago, were in the same position than you are right now. You know, a club sort of on the brink. Then Bobic took over, who's a very close friend of yours, um, of course. And I know you don't like to co say that you copy from other sporting directors yet, but when I look at sort of what you've been doing at Düsseldorf, it looks similar to what Bobic did at Frankfurt. What can you learn from other clubs? Doesn't need to be Frankfurt in terms of building teams. And where do you look at maybe other clubs and say, okay, this is where they have maybe not, not done not so well and we have to avoid making those mistakes. Yeah, I mean, the biggest mistake is to, to, to kind of like uh, losing track, to overspend and to live over your kind of financial possibilities. So that is something what, what, what is always uh, the most important thing to really know where you're coming from and what you have. Uh, you're right. I mean, uh, Eindracht Frankfurt, the way they did it, as I said, I don't like to copy and paste, but I definitely like it as an orientation. And the way Bobic worked, uh, the way he had success, the way he created value for his club by signing players, by loaning players with options and then buying them, really making a lot of money which can be reinvested. Well, everything, it just worked out. I mean, for me, it was like, you know, he he, he, he picked up a piece of dirt and three days later it was nougat. Uh, uh, it just was... Uh, an unbelievable transformation uh, he managed in that club. And this is something what we, we, we need to look at. This is something where we, we, we can say this is a perfect example how to do it. Uh, Frankfurt as well as Düsseldorf are two big cities. We having both clubs have two beautiful big stadiums, a big fan culture. So there's lots of similarities. Um, this is, I think, where we need, where we need, where we need to go, where we need to look. Um, and uh, yeah, unfortunately, you know, uh, I still depend a lot on loans and loans is options to buy. So uh, looking at Zach Stefan, which which we loaned from Man City, uh, the American number one goalkeeper. I mean, it was so far a, a real success story. Uh, nobody really knew. Well, now actually, who is Zach Stefan? You know, I mean, he was 
was in, in, in Germany, in Freiburg uh, as a young player, but was homesick, went back to the States. I always followed him since he's 17, and he developed for me into a really good international keeper. Guardiola picked him up. Uh, I have very close connections to Man City, and when they told me that they're considering to loan him out, well, I mean, I said that was our chance because I knew he will be he will be the difference for us. And, well, th- this is something where it was just one example, you know. We, we do need to loan. I need him to look into different markets. I can't bring anybody in from the French Premier League or from Italy. I need to try to loan players from the English clubs. I try to buy players from Switzerland, from Belgium, from Austria, in leagues where we still kind of can afford. And slowly but surely also getting our youth development right. And looking into our under-19 team at the moment, uh, one of the teams with the smallest budget, where we are second in the league, just beating Borussia Dortmund yesterday, or two days ago. Uh, that is where, 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 where we stand right now. And as I told you last time when we spoke with, with Forbes, I need to wear different. I need to be faster in some places, but I also need to be patient, more patient than other clubs and others to really pick up a player, make an offer in the right moment. So um, it's more about something being very creative, uh, not sleeping much, just really wait for the right moment till the others fall asleep and then bang like a cobra, pick up the player. Um, so yeah, it's very exciting, you know, to, to, to work different. It's For me, uh, football is unfortunately not this candy shop where uh, another manager walks in and just, okay, I want to buy that one and I want to buy this one and then I take that one. No, for me, it's very different. I basically need to wait and pick up the pieces or I need to be that early with players nobody had on the radar yet and say that the player, that the other club saying at the end of the day, oh damn, Dusseldorf was a little bit faster again than we were. That's the way uh, the club works at the moment. You know, Lutz, we, we also chatted um, the other day. It's, it's such a fine line though, because you bring in young players from, sometimes from markets that are very different than Germany and maybe bring in players, you know, next step, of course, maybe from the youth academy. But at the same time, Friedhelm Funkel, who's a very good coach, knows the Bundesliga like no one else, right? Because he's been here in the league for so long. Um, but also has to, of course, secure results. How, how difficult is it to walk this fine line between trying to stay in the league, but also bringing in players that don't know the league so well, you know, young players that are still making the next step. How difficult is it to combine those two things? We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply.
yeah, obviously it's difficult because we don't have, you know, we don't have lots of time to develop. Um, mostly the players we do bring in, they need to have an impact immediately. If we bring in six players and four of them sitting on the stands, then it will be difficult to survive. Um, yeah, I think uh, Friedhelm obviously plays a big role because he's very experienced. You know, he's 65 years old. He's uh, he's coaching now here in the, in the top divisions for 30 years. So so he knows his football. He knows the game. And uh, we had a few um, personalities like, for example, Luke Bakir, who came here like nobody knew him, a player who didn't make it in Watford. Uh, and he came to Düsseldorf and after really struggling in the first eight, nine games where you never thought he actually will make it here, he became one of the best players in the league. Uh, in the end of the day, he was sold for over 20 million and Friedhelm always, always believed in this boy. And we have similar situations now. We brought in the Kelvin Ofori from Ghana. We brought in uh, Ampoma from Belgium. We brought in Tekpete from Schalke. It's all very, very young boys with lots of potential but the Bundesliga is a tough league you know you, you don't just walk and uh, and everything goes by itself because it's tactically and physically very difficult if you're the first time part of this league so it takes some time to get used to the style to get used to the to the way of football to get used to the tactical approach to get used to the training methods and that is something where Friedhelm has so much experience he had so many players so many players were coming and going that uh, that is one of the assets we have in Düsseldorf, where we know that, that our coach sooner or later these boys will get their chance. Lutz, yeah. do you ever find it uh, disheartening? Is probably the wrong word, but let's say you you take a player on like Zach Stefan, who um, was not going to get a shot at Manchester City because of who's in front of him, Edison, um, Claudio Bravo, etc. Uh, is, is it disheartening? Maybe if you take them on and and give them the chance and they excel like Zach's done. And then at the end of the season, Manchester City either say he's not for sale or we're going to take him back. And you have to look for it all over again and, and try and find the right goalkeeper to do the right thing. Does it ever just become a groundhog day or is that the challenge that you thrive for? Well, you know, that's the way it is. That's the, what I have to deal with. Uh, we need to basically create our own values in the club. We need to try to bring players uh, to sell young players ourselves to just yeah, make some money and then invest that money again. So obviously uh, it would be much better if we could loan a player with an option to buy and then the option would be uh, reasonable like for a player like Zach Stefan. But looking at, at, at the way he played so far, looking at the demand, then you have to be very honest. It's a player which would not under normal circumstances would be able to play for us, because he normally would play for a bigger team. So for me, it's very normal. So, you know, other managers, they say, okay, now I sign six, seven players. The next transfer window in the summer will be very quiet. Well, I can tell you already now that from uh, from from April till uh, September, I will rotate like a helicopter night and day to find players, to convince players, to talk with other clubs, to get corporations and just it is a little bit like a, yeah, like a, like like a supermarket. Lots of people walking in and out, and uh, you know you have to keep on going. And it's just a, a time of transformation. Sooner or later, more and more players will be ours. The loan players will get less and less. And if my plan works out, in maybe three, four, five years, 
we will manage that most of the players uh, will be will be really contracted to us where we really have the hand on the players uh, that is where we want to go if everything works out wonderful um I think sometimes, especially the likes of Manu and I, when we're looking in, I don't think you appreciate what a hard job it is um, at a club like Fortuna to get that balance right. And then the pressure that Manu said that's on uh, on the head coach to get the results as well. It's um, It must be a daunting um, time or daunting aspects. But I suppose if you're in football daily, that's the sort of, a, um, that's the sort of thrills you strive for. But... If we move on slightly, there was um, there was another game this weekend, which I think people thought would be a little closer than it was. But in the end, um, Bayern absolutely tore apart Dortmund. Um, lots, you've got the inside track on on being, um, you know, in the position of power at a club. How how did the likes of uh, Mr. Zork deal with that? What will what will that tell them? Um, such a, a big defeat on such a global scale in front of the TV cameras. Well, to be fair, was it, for me it wasn't really a big surprise. Uh, looking at the, the results in recent years, uh, uh, Bayern just they can't wait till Dortmund actually comes to Munich. Uh, the results in recent years always were in Bayern's favour, but you know it's. I think it, it has already some kind of mechanism in the head of the players that it will be just difficult to go there and, and get something. And Bayern, which did struggle in uh, in, in, in recent weeks, uh, also during the week against uh, Olympiakos, they, well, of course, they won 2-0, but it was a, it was an average game. They, 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 they didn't really play that kind of football Bayern stands for. And then Borussia Dortmund comes and, and everybody kind of hopes, yeah, Dortmund can pick something up there. Yeah, it goes exactly the other way, and the, the performance was so dominating. It was just simply, I think, from the first minute, you never doubted that Bayern Munich will walk away with the three points. And I think that four uh, nil, it was also, uh, it was just simply a fair result. Uh, Bayern is back on track again. I think uh, um, they 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 still need to improve. They still need to get some of the, the, the new players they signed uh, more integrated. But overall, I still believe that Bayern Munich and Borussia Dortmund will be, in the end of the day, uh, one of the top three teams. And, 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 and both of them can win the league. But when they play against each other, especially in Munich, it's already like a tradition that Dortmund gets hammered. Lutz, I, you know, it baffles me because I was at the game yesterday and on paper, I was at the press conference as well. I was at the Olympiakos game. We spoke last week right after Flick, uh, was announced as the new head coach after Kovac was fired because we, we chatted on the phone, right? About what was happening in Munich and the entire thing, the, the result, the Dortmund result. Yeah, you're right. It shouldn't baffle me because I should know better, but it still baffles me because Bayern were smashed on the ground. And then I was in Dortmund and they, you know, there's a wonderful scene with Mats Hummels like pumping his chest after he, after, during the, during the Klassiker at one point. And he was one of those people, very outspoken that they're going to go to Munich. They're going to get the result. Uh, Witzel saying the same thing. We're going to go to Munich. We're going to get the result. And then Michael Zorc, of course, with his, um, rather controversial Männer Fußball statement, right? That, that they're going to play male football. Um, it, out of that, it kind of, baffles me because the Bayern side was on the ground and Dortmund 
seem like they were well prepared for this game. And I see other teams, including your Fortuna Düsseldorf, who went to Munich last year, and when Bayern were on the ground and were struggling, you got a result there. Yet Dortmund, who on paper probably have the best team in Germany at the moment, they go there and maybe in the back of the head, they haven't won there since April 2014 under Jurgen Klopp. They go there and they look like a bunch of schoolboys. Try to maybe explain this to someone who hasn't been in a dressing room like that. How How is this possible? Well, you know, it's hard, it's hard to explain. It is one of these... Uh... One of the situations where Dortmund, I think, uh, they really had a very good transfer period. They really improved the team again. They they stronger than last season. And I think they 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 made really good transfers, and everybody, also myself, we ex- we expected them to to beat that team not just to chase this Bayern, but actually you can be in front of Bayern, and things also before the Bayern game didn't really go that well. I mean, they had games where they played brilliant football, but they had a big number of draws. They lost the way to Union Berlin, which was which which was a shocker. And uh, also in some some of the of, of the Champions League games, you you weren't really too sure if they if they do understand what exactly Favre wants from them uh, when it comes to the tactical approach. And then going to Bayern Munich and Bayern Munich, yes, after after Kovac was gone were wounded, nobody knew where they stand, but it just showed that sometimes, you know, a new manager comes in, especially at these big clubs, and um, the players, they, they played very light-hearted football, they they seemed to enjoy themselves, it looked mm-hmm. like that that Bayern lost, kind of like that, that uh, being, be, being pressured, it was a, it was a more fun approach, and uh, and this is, is, is something where, I, actually, I don't think that Dortmund was that much weaker than in recent weeks. I just think that, that Bayern Munich, they found they found their fun back in football again. They enjoyed every minute. And I think uh, Dortmund was that team who really got beaten up. They just were at the wrong moment in the wrong place. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that because I spoke to Manuel Neuer, um, amongst others, after the game. And he called, this is such a wonderful word, Lutz, which is so hard to translate into um, English. He called Hansi Flick ein Menschenfänger, someone who captures people. It's a word that we often use to describe Jürgen Klopp, right? And he, he basically compared Hansi Flick to Jürgen Klopp as this coach who basically came in. He said, okay, these are the, these are the things that I expect from you. I want you to play very basic football, right? And I just want you to play also attacking football. I want you to play possession football like you did under Guardiola and that really kind of gave the team their confidence back. And it almost seemed like when you, when you chatted to Manuel Neuer was one, Robert Lewandowski, I talked to him and he said, like, look, Flick just spend time and talk to us. And he basically said to us, like, you know, to, to focus on, on our strengths. Do you think then that maybe Kovac came in and Bayern, he seems like, like such a last minute option as a coach was just not the right man for this job? Because I personally still think that Kovac is a very good, good coach. Yeah, uh, you know, I have a few opinions about that. Uh, I, first of all, I really, uh, you know, I know Niko Kovac very well, um, also as a person, and he's a really, really nice guy. He's a, he's a good manager. He's very professional. But the way he was successful in recent years in Frankfurt, it was a different approach than that by Munich football. Kovac, as a player, very disciplined, 
as a manager, very disciplined, was more focused when he was coaching Frankfurt on actually destroying the opponent, don't give many chances away, be very physical, work very hard. And uh, yeah, they, the players could not really play free-flowing attacking football because that was not his mentality as, as, as a manager. But that also had to do with the, the team he managed. Now, taking over by Munich, and uh, yeah, he probably was not the, the candidate number one. I'm not too sure what really was the case there. Nobody knows, only Hoeneß and Rummenigge know the, the, the exact situation. But when he took over, I was actually hoping for Nico that, that, that he will be flexible in his, in his coaching style, in his approach, which fits to Bayern Munich. And partly I had the feeling it did. But overall, and also what you heard from the Bayern Munich players, and the feeling was that they somehow didn't really uh, could live up to their football they want to play, which is always based on being very attractive, attacking, dominating, have a lot of possession, and basically let, let, your, let the opponent run after them, chase them. This was hunt them. This is basically the way Bayern Munich plays. Now, I, I worked in, you know, I know Hansi Slick very well. We worked together in Hoffenheim when he was sports director for the German Football Association. I did lots of coaching courses for him as an educator. And yes, I mean, Hansi Flick, he was a good player for Bayern Munich. He is a, a absolute brilliant assistant coach, world champion, whatever you name it, he did it. And he knows the football very well. And his way of talking to people He's just simply an unbelievable nice guy. It's always uh, like he's like uh, he's like a sunshine, you know, mm. like 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 a, a good guy, a good manager. But I think that is sometimes what a club like Bayern Munich needs. Same as it was partly under the Eupinkes in his last two periods. Also calm, quiet. He let them play. He let them enjoy themselves. And if he saw there was something wrong, only then. He got involved, but he didn't try to change that Bayern genetics. And that's why I think that under Flick, it doesn't surprise me that Bayern will most likely keep until the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I believe they have a great chance to win titles because of the appointment of Flick. And, uh, well, we will see the rest. You know, it's, uh, it's, I think it's extremely interesting to see, uh, that Bayern Munich didn't panic and didn't kind of bring in immediately another big name manager, but they go with that option because they trust in, in, in Flick. And as I said, um, mention Fenger, that word, um, I don't see, I, you know, I see no comparison at all to Hansi Flick and Jürgen Klopp because mm. Jürgen Klopp is somebody who comes with a lot of energy and a lot of emotion and he's somehow makes you believe that you can walk over water. He really makes you believe that. Hansi Flick is a different guy. He doesn't come over necessarily the motivation. He doesn't scream in your face. He doesn't provocate. He doesn't do that. But he talks to the players in an extremely good way. Nice communication, but also very firm on the point. More on a, on a, on a, on a personal, but also on a, on a, on a technical level that, that that really like pure motivational level is different. I think Hansi Flick fits extremely well in the situation of Bayern Munich at the moment. Look, this might be a little bit more of a uh, controversial question, but for Dortmund, uh, do you think Lucien Favre 
is still the right man? Um, or do you think that this Dortmund side have a similar look to them about when Peter Bosch was at the helm and they looked fantastic to to start with, but then teams sort of tactically worked them out. And when they played against a bigger opponent like Bayern Munich, they were sort of undone a little bit. No, I like I like Favre's approach. You know, he's a, he works in the details. He's extremely particular about how he wants his football to be played. And uh, yeah, I, I believe it's not necessarily the easiest guy to 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 uh, if things don't go well because he has his own thinking, he has his own ways. But wherever Favre was, he was successful. And uh, I I can't really see at the moment that Dortmund is uh, already at at the verge to of, of changing of changing the coach. No, I don't think so. Um, I believe he's the, the the right man for the job, and you know. As I said, I'm not really in a in, in a position as a as a sporting director of another club to to tell other clubs what I think about their coaches. I think I think it's a good fit. They're having many good people in Dortmund, like Zorc, like Kiel, like Watzke. They will decide what's best for the club, and the individual quality of that Borussia Dortmund squad is so strong that if they're getting into the flow, if they're getting in the run, they can beat everybody. And uh, I don't think you don't, or I, I'm 100% sure that you don't need to worry that they play a big, a bad season. There will be, in the end of the day, when May approaches slowly, there will be some up, somewhere up there sniffing around and, 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 and playing for the title. Look, so you, you mentioned there about you are obviously a sporting director. Um, can you just let us know what it's like from the inside, if um, not necessarily <laughs> Dusseldorf right now, but when clubs are in a maybe a bad vein of form or they've not done particularly well as they should be doing, is there? do you just blank out um, all the media circus that goes along? Because it seems to me that if a manager loses or a head coach, sorry, loses three games on a run or doesn't do particularly well in three games, people start asking for his head. I mean, how do you... How do you work as that as a sporting director? Is it something you just ignore and get on with because you work on them with a daily basis? Yeah, I mean, if you start to uh, take every advice of uh, fans or, or media, then I think every every three days there would be five coaches would be gone. Um, you know, I think it's very important as a club. Uh, you don't just plan uh, on short term. You do make uh, really make a you you paint the big picture. You you start uh, to to work with the manager on 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 an approach for for the whole season or even longer so you know the person very very well and a run of bad results of course it makes some people panic it also makes sometimes some club panic but i believe it is really really important to believe in that what 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 you what you saw before you have to build up a certain trust and sometimes when you be patient enough and you 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 wait for the right moment Things are slowly falling back into pieces. So to to press the panic button immediately and just hire and fire for the fun of it, that's not the way. Actually, uh, I would think that's also not the way uh, for Tuna Düsseldorf things. We want to have stability, and sometimes you're getting through a bad patch, and sometimes you're getting through a good patch. And as you know, like it is, who of who of the, any of the two you is married or not? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we both are, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So just think, just think about the relationship between the club and the manager or the coach. Think as like like a marriage. You have good patches, you have bad patches, but if you always straight away pull the handbrake, it would be a disaster. So you need to just sometimes get together over some crisis. That's my approach, but I'm of course a nice guy, <laughs> and and that's how I see how all the things in football should be done. If if you're losing two three games, so what? Go back to the basics, work together, and uh, you know it's no point to just uh, to ask and, and 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 turn every stone around and see everything negative. Hmm. Believe in that guy you work with, and then you normally are able to turn things around. Obviously, sometimes time is the time comes that the manager has to go. This is normal. That's just a, a way of, of the way life goes. But in that position, now we talk about Dortmund. There's no reason to stress. Mm. Lutz, of course, the international break comes up now. Um, for you guys, I mean, you are on a good run of form. Uh, that is three-three draw against Schalke, an unbelievable result. Um, Ruin, Ruin Henning scoring three goals. I, I, I watched it in the Allianz Arena. I, I, I thought of you actually and I said, oh, that's a, that's a great result for Fortuna, especially after that derby win, right? So you guys will be going into this international break happy, I assume. Dortmund will be going into this international break. Mm, probably want to play straight away again, right? H how is it for clubs going into the international break on the back of a result like this? You know, because a lot of players are on the road now. Favre doesn't really have the time to sit down, okay, well, I, c I can work now with these players and we have next week to, to solve this. Do you have any insight on this, how how this goes? I mean, both, I mean, Bayern is in the opposite position now, right? Yeah, you know, international break, I think it is something where, uh, again, it, for every club, it's a different situation. A team like Dortmund and Bayern, so basically the training the training facility will be nearly empty because they're all national players. They're all going away. They're all playing competitive games in Europe or in South America or whatever. Uh, for a club like Fortuna Düsseldorf, we only have now four players going away. So basically 90% or 80% of the squad is here. So for us, it is great. We can work on the details. We can work on the tactics. We can work on the physical fitness. We can work on individual things with players. Uh, the players who are not 100% fit, you can get the treatment in. So for a club like Fortuna... I was really, really pleased to get now the international break, even though we have a very good momentum. And if we would have played next week, I think we still would have been very hot. Now we have a little bit time to calm down, but we still will take that positive feeling that vibes from yesterday and the week before. We will take it out of the international break. For other clubs, like for Dortmund, well, obviously they will analyze that game in Bayern Munich. They will realize what went wrong, what did not work out. But they can't really use the time yet uh, that efficiently like they want to because most of the players are gone. So for Dortmund, it's a more difficult time. And also for uh, Coach and Hansi Flick, where many players are gone, he can't really implement his kind of football immediately because he was basically would do it by himself. Mm. So it's, uh, it's this international breaks is always for some it is hell, for the others it's heaven. And... Um, yeah, for me, I'm actually quite happy now that we're having a little bit of time to rest, but also time to finalize, to work on the little details, to work a bit here, to work a bit there, 
and uh, it will make us it will make us better and more ready and our next game coincidentally is against <laughs> Bayern Munich. I was just going to ask, yes, <laughs> are you going to be the favorite against Bayern Munich? And um maybe before we go to the next topic, who's going to be the Luke Bakio against Bayern this time? Well, you know, uh, the Luke Bakio against Schalke was Hennings because he also scored three in a row. And looking looking at the run of Ruben Hennings right now, uh, I mean, nine goals in 11 games in the Bundesliga, 11 goals in total in 13 games. It's unbelievable. I mean, uh, mm. the, you know, the way he actually, whatever he does at the moment, he scores. Um, so, well, for us, you know, to be honest, we're really looking forward to, that's always one of the top games in the season, probably the most enjoyable game of the season when Bayern Munich comes here to Düsseldorf. Uh, you have nothing to lose. Everybody expects Bayern Munich to win. Uh, you're playing against a world-class team, you know, like one of the best strikers in the world, Lewandowski, Manuel Neuer, everybody's here. So it's like it's like a bit like our own Oktoberfest in November um, <laughs> when they when they come in here. And we will try our best. We will try to really work hard. And imagine if we do get the result, perfect. If we don't get the result, this is something nobody expects from us. So we have nothing to lose. I always say the games against Bayern Munich are the easiest in the world because nobody expects anything from you. Unless you're Dortmund. <laughs> Unless you're Dortmund and you make yourself some pressure. Because yeah. if, you don't talk, <laughs> if you don't talk about it before, nobody will hang you up in the air if you lose in Munich. It can happen. It happened to everybody before. Yeah. Well, I think one person who might not be glad... Um, or one collective of people who might not be glad of the international Blake will be um, Borussia Mönchengladbach. Uh, let's, can you believe the the turnaround they've had under um, their new coach Marco Rosa from from him coming in and and taking on a side that was good, but once again lost some key players in the summer window. Uh, but the level they're operating on for me. Match day 10 is always key. So I tend not to look at the table before match day 10. But when match day 10s arrive, I think it starts to take a little bit of shape for the rest of the season. I'm surprised that Gladbach is still there. How about you? Yeah, first I have to say that uh, Marco Rose, you know, he was the most hunted coach uh, in, in Germany uh, just before this season. There was many clubs after him because he did a great, great, great job in Salzburg. You have to be fair. He has his own style. Like uh, he 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 plays a a very unique football, and the first few weeks didn't really play that well yet. I mean, I remember they lost four nil against Wolfsburg, not Wolfsburg, Wolfsburg from Austria in the Euroleague, which is a small team, and everybody was already saying, "Oh my God, that style will not work out." And now a few weeks later, everybody's praising and jumping and raving that this football is the best thing since sliced bread. So I think it's always important to kind of, you know, keep it real, give people some time. And I, I do like, I do like the way they play. I do like the squad. They have, they have a very, very well organized squad. Max Eberl as a sporting director is for me one of the best in Germany. Um, so Klappach will stay up there and they will definitely play again for the European places. Do I personally think if they can win the league, if everything goes perfectly well and the other teams are stealing points from each other, they could. But I personally 
don't think that they will stay on top till the end. They maybe are a contender, but uh, I think that uh, one or two other teams are, might be in the long run over 34 games, just a little bit better. But for the future, I think Lop has a very, very bright future. If they will now add in the squad again in the end in the summer, they can be definitely a title contender in the years to come. Lutz, Lutz, is it? Oh, sorry, Manu. I was, I was just going to say, is it sometimes maybe the worst possible start for a, for a new manager in a new club to raise the expectation and the bar that high? Does it? Does it sometimes set them up for maybe problems in the future? Would would head coaches, you know, would Marco Rosa be like to be somewhere like fourth and not have all the the focus on him at the moment, or do you think he's quite happy being out in front in first? Oh, I think uh, everybody's happy. You always want to be first. Uh, about there, I, I well, I can't really can't really see the problem there. I believe that. Uh, they enjoy every moment. Uh, the atmosphere is great. You know, Mönchengladbach, a small city not far from Düsseldorf. But it's simply football. There is not much happening in Mönchengladbach except Borussia. So the people are burning for success. It has one of the biggest transition uh, uh, traditions in, in, in German football, even a big European history. So there, I think, at the moment, everybody is just very happy, very pleased. They can't wait for the international break to be over. And, you know, the way so far they have formed, they still will be up there for a very, very long time. If it finally can be already a title, let's wait and see. But I think they are really on the right way. The combination, Rose as a coach, Mark Sable as a manager, I think that goes really, really well. They do have a good financial background. They can really add and buy what they need. So I think the future is bright in Mönchengladbach. You know, Rosa, of course, is also from the Red Bull school. And we talked a little bit um, about that last week, you know, how important important that that philosophy of football that, of course, was established mostly by Ralf Rangnick is. Uh, we, we look at Adi Hütter, Ralf, um, Marco Rose, uh, Julian Nagelsmann, of course, now working um, at RB Leipzig, uh, Glasner in Wolfsburg, you know, there's a lot of coaches in the Bundesliga having success with that kind of, of kind of football. That, that certainly is no coincidence, is it? No, it's a very modern approach. Um, it is a, I would call it, it is obviously a very tough way of football. You know, it's, it's this different kind of pressing lines, very, very high pressing. It's a high level of energy. Uh, um, if you play against RB Leipzig, it's all based on speed, on pace, on aggression, transition. Uh, it is just very stressy to play against them. And that makes it so hard uh, to, to play against any of the RB teams um, or against the coaches who kind of like learned their their football style in this RB uh, philosophy. It, it definitely seems to work. Um, it is it is uh, sometimes not the prettiest thing to watch, um, but uh, I think the, the perfection in the long term will be that typical Red Bull approach in the mix, or sorry, RB approach in the mix with the technical smartness and the technical variety of Julian Norrisman. That can be, for me, I would say the the top-notch combination, which will be very difficult to beat in the, in the future. 
So if we move on to, I suppose it's the the game that um, you commentated on, which was Wolfsburg against Leverkusen. Um, an, an odd oh, result. Really? Yeah, well, you know, again, I uh, have a very clear opinion about this game or about the whole development. Uh, for me, Leverkusen, before that, that, that match day, having played 10 games is 15 points. Uh, that's not really, that, that can't be what they expect because this team has a lot, a lot of offensive power, a lot of individual quality. Amiri, Demirbay, Holland, you name it. Uh, Bailey, uh, out is a red card. Uh, I mean, there is so many top-class players. I think they just, that is for me a team which, which could be, or which should be also, much higher up, chasing for the title, but they had also they had they had already a valley. They dropped some some points. So that game today, the result didn't surprise me at all. Uh, Wolfsburg they are based on a very um, solid, compact defensive alignment. They want to be they want to be a deep. They they want to basically not give much away. It's all based on organization and structure. And then everything what goes up front. It is okay. We will have we have one guy, one big guy up there with Rekhorst who tries to score whenever, but they don't really attack that much, and especially they don't uh, create lots of scoring chances for themselves. So this one-one result, zero-zero, one-nil, this is very normal if you play against a team like Wolfsburg. But when they do play against, uh, I would call it potentially a diva like Leverkusen with so much uh, individual quality. It was not a surprise for me that Leverkusen walks away with the three points. Do you think, Lutz, that there's that it's consistency that's Leverkusen's problem? Because I saw them this season when they played. I was in um, West Wallenstadion for the game against Dortmund where they were swept aside. But you look at how they played against um, Atletico Madrid midweek, how they played today. It's They just seem to, once they seem to get going, it's like one, two, skip a few, and, and they seem to be back to square one is... Can you see a way around that for them at all? Yeah, consistency is the the right, the right, the right point. They somehow, I just remember the way they played against us. Second match day in Düsseldorf, uh, we just came back after a three-one victory in Bremen. The shoulders very high, and they really played us off the pitch because we hardly touched the ball. If they do get into that momentum, you can't stop them. But, but if you find a team like Today, Wolfsburg in the first 20, which is always right on them, then they do start to cramp up. And this is where also Walsh is a coach who simply, he loves to attack and defensive only second option. You need to find a better balance between attacking and defending. <laughs> it makes for interesting watching though, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it certainly does. Um, you know, there's such a, such a weird side to watch at times. I find Chris with the, 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 the back and forward style. Uh, Lots really kind of like the final point we chatted a little bit um a while ago that you're not the biggest fan of how Wolfsburg play and it kind of comes through here as well um Glasner though is is also one of those coaches that on paper you would think that he would play a bit more attractive football yeah but I think uh, Glasner uh, did a similar kind of style uh, in, in um, when he was successful in Linz and uh, his his mentality or his uh, way of playing is more based on on I want to have a solid defense so 
this is always something where everybody needs to see the strengths and the weaknesses of of, of his team. Mm. And looking at this, I think he he does very well. Uh, I believe that uh, they will change the the the, the personal in recent years to come. There will be more uh, of offensive players coming, and then the style will also slowly adjust. But right now, I think. Oliver Glasner, which I rate very, very highly as a manager, he says, I have this, I have that, but I don't have this. For now. So this is the way I will approach my games for this season. And, uh, you know, they don't create a lot, but they have his back horse, somebody who can score. Mm. But sometimes, especially in home games, you need to create more chances than they did in the recent weeks. And that's the... The danger, if you if you're looking, if you are too much focused on the defensive approach. Well, I think that probably just about does it um, for us, Lutz. Uh, obviously, for anyone who's listening, I think most of our listeners will know all about Fortuna Dusseldorf. Um, but they can catch you at the Mecklenburg Arena with some wonderful Schumacher Lager. Um, I was lucky enough to be there for the first game that was rolled out um, the other month. So just tell them where you're located in Germany and, and whereabouts they can find you in that central area of um, of the North Rhine-Westphalia. Well, I hope they don't find me personal, but I can, <laughs> I can tell you where they can find the club. Uh, well, you know, Dusseldorf is a, it's a very uh, special city. It's uh, supposed to be or are known to be of the, one of the most posh and beautiful cities right in the center of Germany. Uh, it's a big rivalry with Cologne in Northern Westfalen. Um, it's famous for alt. It's called old beer when you translate it, which is uh, yeah. I don't like beer at all, so I can't even tell you about it. It's uh, good. But the, but, <laughs> the, the, but the city is definitely very attractive. The the city loves football. Fortuna is a is a big part of of, of the of, of the daily life. You're going to a baker, a bakery, and you're getting a Fortuna uh, bread, and you're going to a butcher, you get a Fortuna steak. So everything is about, about Fortuna here. Um, yeah, I mean, also great atmosphere in the stadium, mostly sold out, 54,000 people. But, uh, you know, we are obviously a well-supported team, and uh, but we're always happy if international guests are visiting us. Um, so... I only can uh, advise a tr- little trouble to Dusseldorf is not the worst thing in the world. It's not indeed. I've been there uh, many times, not just to the airport, which is a lot more than the airport. The stadium um, is a great place to watch football for the fans. And uh, yeah, if, if our listeners are uh, planning on a trip over, it's in a real hotbed of um, of German football clubs all around. So please put Dusseldorf on uh, on your visits, Manu. What are you doing this next week? International break back to Canada. Yeah, holiday. I'm taking a few days off, Chris. You know, you've known my schedule. It was uh, packed, and I have a I have the next two weeks off, and then I'm gonna do uh, a lot of writing. I have a lot lot of deadlines to meet over the two weeks after, and then I'm back December seventh in Germany for another tour de force, and I, I believe we're gonna meet up. So I'm really looking forward to our December trip. Um, so yeah, international break. You know me, um, only half-assing it for that time. 
<laughs> well, um, yeah, for, for our listeners, obviously Manu's work will be out on Forbes, which mine is. I've got a second part of, a, of an interview did with Jochen Schneider um, from Schalke, which is um, a little bit less about the River Derby and more about the club itself. That'll be out. Um, and also, Manu, I'm covering some women's football. I'm going to uh, Liverpool to speak to Vicky Jepson, who's awesome. the manager of Liverpool's ladies team this week. Um, and that's pretty much it. I'd just like to say thank you lots again. Thanks for your time. No worries, I enjoyed it. Perfect. And um, until Bryce gets back, that's it for us. Auf Wiedersehen. Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's sein Rhythmus, als gäbe sein Lied. We can get anything delivered from furniture to toilet paper. And now, adult beverages with Drizzly. Drizzly lets you compare prices from local liquor stores on a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your door in under 60 minutes. And right now, Drizzly's giving all new customers $5 off their first order. Just enter promo code EASY5 at checkout. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.